There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, I've uh, I've got some alcohol, so I'm ready to go. So you you need alcohol to talk about art? Well, it certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. It, I'm trying to think. Yeah. No. Maybe. I mean, most art shows people uh, they get a little they get a little drunky. It's. I once watched an artist crawl all over this chick and yelling, "You look like Amy Winehouse." It was kind of amazing. Was it actually Amy Winehouse? Because that would have been even more amazing. She's like, I know, I am Amy Winehouse. Stop it. No, it, I, they had the same hair, though. I, I will say that. It was like, Amy Winehouse is alive, but no, it was... I like your story better, though. Let's just say that that was reality. Ah. So I, I'm going to give a little... Well, this is Jim Hansen. He's joining me again for art, I swear. And of course, I'm Vanessa Van Olsteen. Yay! And uh, we've been a little and late. I'm just a dude. You're just a guy. Just a dude guy. Yeah, uh, Jim here is back because uh, I'm assuming it's actually James. Is it James? Uh, I much prefer Jim. I, I am. No, it's cool. I just that's I'm. It, I generally, it's one of those fun things where if people call me James, I know that they don't actually know me, but have somehow managed to get my personal information. So it's like if if I get a phone call from a number and they're like, hey, James, I'm like, what do you want? Who do, who do I owe money to? When, what are you trying to do? For me, it's when they try to say my last name. They're like, Vanessa God. God, oh God, Cthulhu just showed up. Yeah, the why scares them, I think. Um, so Katie is going through some life stuff. Her uh, health is fine. She is healthy. Um, but uh, that that would that would be part of our hiccup and why Jim is back for a couple of shows. Yep, she walked over to the big glass case that said, "In case of emergency, break glass and recover." emergency backup podcast idiot and uh so i am here to carry on the proud tradition of people that don't actually know what they're talking about but help the conversation move on and stay funny you're you're so. the re you're the relief ginger yes <laughs> um but yeah i don't even know what that means but i'm agree to it anyway katie's and katie's that's very right i'm learning very red in the head Oh, I got a, I got like a reddish beard. It's yeah, when, it, when it when it grows out, it turns like a beautiful golden red. I look like you know an artisanal apple. Aw, are you like Fuji? Are you a Fuji? Yeah, apple? yeah, like a Fuji. I get I get a Fuji thing going on with the beard when it grows out. There you go. That's like its own art, beard art, <laughs> beard art online. I I need to. Mm. Oh, that I would am, be an anime. Yeah, it would be. It would be like, though it would probably be like a hentai and like no one would want to. Or, or I mean like very, you know, I guess, you know, like leather daddies would be into that. Oh, you know, there's some there's... person out there right now that, first of all, uh, just totally was crushing it on the uh, the Amy Winehouse stuff earlier and is now like, oh, my God, they're talking to me. This is talking straight to me because this is important to me. You're, you're our best friend. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please email me about your weird fetishes. Oh yeah. We will, uh, we will narrow cast specifically to you. Yes. 
and uh just no furries that's where i there's a line somewhere and see furries isn't even like a fetish thing furries is i mean like i like for I think some it would, people it is well that's there's a whole i mean okay so this has a lot to do with the topic today which is pop art <laughs> So anyway, furries. I feel like no. Andy Warhol would have been down with furries. Like he'd have probably like immediately been like, I want a fursona, and no one would have known if they should take him seriously or not. Because his fursona would have just been like a pig nose or something, and they'd have been like, Okay, Andy. Oh no, you know he would have made like six identical wolf suits that were all in these different like glowing neon colors that just clashed horribly and he would have been like the only problem is i only have one body and six suits that i need to wear simultaneously maybe, Artist maybe. community, i need you to all like we're going to hire a team of people and you're all going to follow me around in exact choreography behind me wearing the other five suits yeah, I always wondered, like, maybe if he was alive now, if he'd have identified as asexual, because, um, like, anybody who talks about his relationships, he was, like, a very giving lover, but he never wanted reciprocation. He's, he's like, the exact opposite of Fe Freddie Mercury. Yes. Yeah, he was the <laughs> antithesis of Freddie Mercury. It's, like... Because, you know, the, the wig was because, you know, he went bald pretty young and he was like partial albino. Was he like a pipe? Uh, what is it called where they've got like the, the hat? Like they look like dappled. I, I, it's a skin condition. I can't remember. Oh, vitiligo? Yeah, my, yeah, that's it. Because uh, Rufus and Boondocks had reverse vitiligo. Yes. I actually knew somebody that had that. It was it was really neat. Not the reverse one, the the real one. Yeah, the the reverse one isn't a real thing, I don't think. No. Um yeah, no Warhol like and he's from Phil, uh he's from Pennsylvania. Uh, it's funny. I used to live in Houston and there was this English teacher who lived downstairs from me and she told me she had a student come up to her and start telling her how like he went to see a museum in Pennsylvania that was uh, where the first pornographer came from. And she was like, what are you talking? So he starts describing Andy Warhol and she goes, do you mean Andy Warhol? And he says, yes, he was America's first pornographer. <laughs> and she's like, I don't think you paid attention to that museum. <laughs> I can't, I don't, I can't even think of any of his work that's like pornographic, like. Uh, maybe that kid really had a thing for soup cans. Or maybe he really got off of like the Death and Dying series. Ugh, I don't know. So like we got some, some quotes here on a uh, pop art. Um, how's your William S. Burroughs? Uh, I can give it a try. Give it a try. What did he like? Like, is there a. The first quote I on the see, outline. I mm -hmm. see no reason why the artistic world can't absolutely merge with Madison Avenue. Pop art is a move in that direction. Why can't we have advertisements with beautiful words and beautiful images? So the, the next quote is uh, Roy Lichtenstein. 
I have to, because I want to say Steen because of my last name. Is it work on? Anyways, pop art looks out into the world. It doesn't look like a painting of something. It looks like the thing itself. Do you want to do Corita Kent? This quote. Uh, How's your Corita Kent? Is it better than your Burroughs? I want to do a terribly like. Take an exhibit in the days when we saw the pop art, Andy Warhol and all of that, tomato soup, cans, etc. And coming home, you saw everything like a Warhol. And uh, I'm going to read a uh, part of Charles, or I think it said Klaus Oldenburg's uh, long ass like three page long, like this would be a podcast poem on what is pop art. I am the art of slightly rotten funeral flowers, hung bloody rabbits and wrinkly yellow chickens, bass drums and tambourines and plastic phonographs. I am for the art of abandoned boxes tied like pharaohs. I am for the art of water tanks and speeding clouds and flapping shades. I am for the U.S. government inspected art. A... I am for the U.S. government inspected art, grade A art, regular price art, yellow ripe art, extra fancy art, ready to eat art, best for less art, ready to cook art, fully cleaned art, spend less art, eat better art, ham art, pork art, chicken art, tomato art, banana art, apple art, turkey art, cake art, cookie art. I saw the best art of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves. I'm impressed Sorry. with how I much could... of that you know. I you get a you get some cookie art for that. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Sorry, it just whatever somebody's going off like that, I gotta go Ginsburg on them. <laughs> no, it's cool, and it's you know it's it's appropriate because Oldenburg did like giant soft sculptures of food. So, yay! You want to hug them, but you get you'll get kicked out of the museum for hugging them. Ask me how I know. <laughs> don't don't ask. So. So what do we remember about modernism? Anything? Anything? Are you... It is the opposite of olderism. And <laughs> no, no, I don't remember anything about modernism. Well, my key, my key things here was uh, modernism had the idea that new, the new idea is obtainable. You can do things in art that have never been done before. So we can let go of the old figurative painting styles and the allegories and allegory storytelling that has gone on for so long and just make something that exists purely for art. A lot of art after World War I, II is a reaction to the madness of war. And uh, I already said we're kind of walking away from the figurative. Do you remember anything right. about abstract expressionism? Did you go back and did you go back? This is so written for Katie. I can hear the, the vacuum in your brain like increasing. Why, yes, I do. I remember absolutely everything about abstract, but why don't you tell me to see if you remember? Well, have you ever seen the movie Pollock? Uh, no. It's a good movie. You should watch it. Um, okay. Like, if there's a movie about an artist that's worth watching, Pollock is very well done. Um, abstract art expressionism has the idea that there's nothing cohesive between artists except the act of painting and the role of the hand. So art for art's sake. It's driven by the critic Clement Greenberg, who is very much per 
pushing for an ethereal essence of art that is removed from the boundaries of having to create things stylistically and instead is, uh, you know, pure of content and form, which means you just don't really have to have anything. Um, and But there are people that don't like abstract expressionism like Jasper Johns and Robert Rauschenberg and Philip Gustin who are like, Two of these men are gay. I feel like that's worth noting. Um, abstract expressionists like Pollock and de Kooning were very much like men's men. And it was a very like men's men scene. And so a lot of people felt alienated by it. You couldn't really be an abstract expressionist and be female as well. Um, Rauschenberg even broke away from this by doing a performance art piece where he uh, obtained a drawing from Vasily Kadinsky and erased it, it like hurt Kadinsky's feelings though. Cause he thought that like Rauschenberg like wanted it to keep and that's why he'd given it to him. So when he like erased that drawing to like kind of make a statement about starting over again and like redefining what art is, it like, it made Kadinsky a little bitter. No. Yeah, no, poor Kadinsky. He needs a, he needs a art cookie, uh, art cookies all around. We need so you, to find some some good like actual merchandisable name for whatever those things are. So when we start monetizing the heck out of this, we can you know like send them to the the Patreon donors or something. There you go, art cookies. They're not just chocolate chip cookies with bright colored sprinkles on top. Yes, it's it's uh, it's functional art because <laughs> it's pretty, and then you eat it. You and know, then you become one with the art. There's food used in art, but we probably don't want to get into that, partly because of gross factors. Oh, yeah. So have you ever heard of op art or optical art? That's kind of one of the next things I mention. Actually, yes, that I have heard. Yeah, and I recently got to see a Bridget Riley, who's probably one of the more famous artists that was involved in the op art movement. He kept doing it after that movement kind of faded out of popularity. It is dizzying. Like... It's very precise. He obviously used tape to make like the lines and such because you can see there's a quality to lines when you lift up tape that if you've done it before, you can kind of tell, but it's still, it's huge. And like, I, I have a, I get vertigo from certain visual things and it actually started to make me ill. And what op art was is it used lines and curves and tricks to create like motion and space. It kind of, started out in Dadaism, which is an older podcast, but it, it then kind of emerged into its own thing. But it has this very like ordinary design quality and it uses techniques that are uh, developed in like, I'm going to murder a cat. So it's basically for the layman out there, layman, layperson, Op art is like, if you've ever seen a thing where somebody's like, check out these awesome 17 optical illusions and it's not really an illusion-y sort of thing so much as it is like, it's a bunch of black and white lines and they do things where it sort of looks like the paper is moving or you get glowing black dots in places where they actually aren't or it's, it's very rod and cone it's people talk about being confronted by art, but this is actually like, this is actual confronting. A lot of this stuff is like designed to make your eyeballs malfunction. 
or make you feel extremely dizzy spinny. Yeah, that's or mm. that or that. Yes, yes. Uh, the time tunnel in uh, Land of the No, the time tunnel. What am I saying? It's not Land of the Giants. That was the time tunnel, the big black and white spinny disc that they would go through when they traveled oh, yeah. in time. Yeah, this is this is uh, other things that make me nauseous. I I'm I can't go to amusement parks. I love I can hear you swigging that whiskey back. Is it good? Uh, it's actually uh, longbow honey apple cider. Um, so you're I'm, a girl drink drunk. I am a girl drink drunk. Yes. I'm well. Somebody has to be. So the reason I brought up op art, though, is it uses a lot of print techniques that were developed by people who have, you know, limited ways to show an illusion through, like, you know, printing presses and stuff. So it's a little more in dialogue with modern culture, whereas you're artists pre-World War One or World War Two, I'm sorry, and your abstract expressionism, expressionists, they're not looking at culture for art. They're trying to do something ethereal and other. Um, so, and that that's part of what initially pisses people off about pop art. It's disposable. It's trash. Everybody was supposed to be able to own a piece of pop art at an affordable price. And, you know, it, you take Warhol's iconic Campbell soup cans, you do technically own those, like that quote says, you go home and look at them and you're like, Oh man, this is like still basically the same label that it was back in the '60s. Um, but you know that the the idea that existed in pop art that everybody should be able to afford it is not. I mean, it doesn't carry over. I can't afford a Warhol. I'm, most people can't. Well, I mean, I, Banksy's kind of like that. Banksy usually is affordable by whoever has a sawzall and moves the fastest. Well, and. You know, I do feel like a lot of graffiti culture came out of pop art because the idea of availability for the masses is something that's involved in, um, let's, let's also, let's call it urban art. I don't, there's not a street art. There's not a great word for it. Plus the, the uh, bold use of color and the blatant appearance of commercialism yes, a lot the, of time. The references to like print media and modern design elements. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it's Warhol and uh, Roy Lichtenstein both worked in advertising before they became artists. There's some magazines out there that have ads by Andy Warhol in them that are worth a good bit because it's kind of like owning an authentic Warhol. Um, Warhol also had that, like, rock and roll bad boy attitude, and I think he kind of developed it because he was a very, like, shy and um introverted man but uh you know if you watch interviews with him after he becomes famous it's kind of like watching uh, maynard from tool give an interview except with warhol you don't ever know if he's being sar sincerely sarcastic or not like i have never figured out if that man is actually a sweetheart who really does wish the best for everybody or if he just has mastered sarcasm to a point that it's begun to bend in on each other and like warp into you know something else i wonder if he even knew maybe not i i don't know he did I mean, bolster a lot of creative 
people though like uh the velvet underground wouldn't be around if it wasn't for warhol in our basquiat podcast we talked about how he kind of like bolstered that person's career you know um but it's it's at the same time i think it's one of those it's um he was so successful like so they had he had um he had he was power mad he had people like he became the it artist he had people just like hanging out 24 7 living on his couch he became a walking art scene for a yeah, while you're, there you're talking about his factory which is he yeah you know designed yeah that's gotta mess with the guy that's, it does that's gotta setting your ego to 11 and just leaving it there that's got to do stuff to you yeah and you know it's this shy kid who's very insecure about his appearance who's like all of a sudden like this rock star and one of the most identifiable people in you know at least the united states it yeah i i don't know i don't know where the ego is and where uh what he started out life as hangs on and i i think that that's interesting. And it's one of the reasons I haven't really done a podcast just on Warhol. He's really complicated. He's, he's like Andy Kaufman where, where does the person end and where does the character he's putting out there start? And can he even find that line anymore? Well, and I think I've said this about other artists like Salvador Dali and uh, Louise Nevelson, like who they Dolly are. Dolly did not care where that line was. Dolly was like, yeah, I remember seeing that line. It was like years ago and to the left, I think. But it may have been up because non-Euclidean geometry is my thing. So, But yeah, and it's like Warhol is one of the first people that realized that brands were going to become what they are, that like Pepsi was going to become a thing people ask for by name instead of a soda pop. And I think that he did use some of that, use some of his advertising acumen to bend it on himself and make himself this artistic product. And I, he had to have looked at people like Dolly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Andy Warhol, not just Campbell soup cans in a row with different titles, also his own living piece of art. So another point I made about pop art is it looks at ordinary things and disposable media like magazines, comic books, newspaper, Americans see little value in something they consume just to throw away. So commenting on this commercialized piece of removable design was innovative and controversial at the time of inventions like the television. And now, I mean, it's actually come insanely full circle because now uh, there's uh, there's whole art books and stuff that are just going back and studying the minutia of things like uh, uh, was it Googie design, the the like retro futuristic rocket ship looking everything. I mean, we we have people that collect neon signs from fast food restaurants that mm -hmm. went out of business 20 years ago we have we have we woke up sometime much later much too late for Warhol. the a lot of the rest of us woke up and were like damn they actually we're putting a lot of effort into the art back then compared yeah, to the crap we got now 
I, and I feel like these guys, they blur the line between art and design a lot. Like, uh, what we consider consumable and disposable is it's undervalued. And by stopping and saying, no, maybe wait, this is worth preserving. Well, it you does... know, as Isaac Asimov once said, any sufficiently enough evolved design is indistinguishable from art. Yeah, there's sometimes the line is really hard. I, I tend to like to find it as artful and artistic because there's some things that have the quality of art, but are not in and of themselves art. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that's, that's where a lot of design lands for me, because I think if you look at intentionality, which is another key to understanding this kind of stuff, design has the intention to sell or to make an end user happy. It's not, existing for a purpose to like question or enlighten or even just to exist. And it's also worth noting, I think that a lot of the imageries that these pop artists use that's considered disposable and worth it is meant to appeal to the female housekeeper of the fifties and sixties in Great Britain in the USA, that uh, atomic family mom who's, you know, going to buy the right, vacuum cleaner that makes her life so easy and have dinner on time. Like this is design media that's meant to appeal and sell to those women and reinforce those gender roles. And they're like putting that up there as this thing to like consider and rethink. So I feel like in some ways there's a little thread of feminism in it, but it's unintentional. It just so happened that the, the very things that they were calling to light and calling to question uh, resonated with the things that advertisers had been deliberately manipulating. So you get like the kitchen of the future and then you get um, like Lichtenstein's uh, painting of water lilies, which is all like futuristic and the water lilies are only just slightly there. Yeah, it's, and then using the elements of that stuff to like, reconstitute how we talk about things. There's a later postmodernist, uh, I would call her an assemblage artist named Barbara Kruger, who takes advertising and advertising slogans and makes it about like feminist ideas. And she uses it by redefining the language so that you is uh, always female and I is always male. So it talks about how the male gaze affects uh, items that we see as art. So pop art definitely opened the door for like people like her to be able to do stuff like that because it says, you know, there's a quality to how we sell things to people that's worth exploring artistically and it's okay to explore that. Did your head explode, Jim? No, no. I just, whenever it gets into stuff about feminism, I have learned to keep my mouth shut. So, because I don't know nearly enough to sound like informed and I definitely don't mean anything harmful. So I am happy listening. Well, it's the pop artists are once again, traditionally male. There's a female pop artist who I want to do a show on later. I think her last name's Wiley. Um, but she was in Great Britain, of course. Um, it's, it's a boys game in the USA for the most part, but it's, oh, yeah, cause it's you it's, know, 
It's women don't fill out those stark black turtlenecks quite right. Yeah, it's it's 1960s America where like Love Field here in Dallas bragged about how they hired their stewardesses based on how attractive they were. You know what I want from a yeah. stewardess? Somebody who knows how to like get me out of the burning plane and not spill a drink on me. I just want to be not beaten up and thrown off the airplane. Well, you that's, should That's usually my 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 standard for success. Gosh, you're picky. You should definitely not fly United, I guess. I know we're topical. Woo! We're topical. Whoa, whoa. We're topical about something that happened something weeks and weeks, weeks ago. ago. And that's well, you know, it's interesting you say that because the short attention span of media is also something that plays into pop art. Like one of the reasons people weren't paying attention to this kind of design is that it's meant to be consumed very, very fast and then not looked at again. Which is weird because, like, while people do sometimes go back and look at paintings or have something that hangs with them, most, like, artwork in a gallery, like, you spend about three seconds on average with it. Oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's pretty. Oh, hey, that's pretty. Hey, look, it's the gift shop. Yeah. and then you Does exit, that mean we're done? Exit through the I gift shop. I ate an entire museum. <laughs> you ate a museum. Okay. Yes. With my eyes. I ate the entire museum with my eyes, and now I'm done. And now I'm going to take a small piece of it home with me to, tro to uh, as a trophy. That is what the gift shop is for. So, pop art kind of starts in Great Britain. I have here Richard Hamilton's collage. Just what, what is it that makes today's homes so different, so appealing from 1956? It's a collage. What do you, would you like to try to describe it, Jim? Well, um, so it is, um, I think that's Charles Atlas, uh, which he looks like he has been cut out of a newspaper or magazine ad, one of those like seven days to a better body sort of things. And he's standing there holding a giant sucker that says pop. Is this why they call it pop art? Because the first one had a giant lollipop in it i that i actually insane i have only ever gotten um kind of like um after the fact stories on that one i think it's supposed to reference populace and it's kind of a communist commentary um because i know it, like it, it looks like it's a giant dum-dum yeah that he's holding and definitely the word pop like it shows up in this early one uh roy lichtenstein uh like just flat out like draws it with like a cartoon exploding background and a painting um i think it's supposed so, to like dual reference popular and populist i've always wondered like did pop music get its title from that or did this kind of borrow from pop music if somebody knows let me know because i am i don't know um so he's standing there holding the giant sucker at the foot of stairs. It's like his consumable giant pop club. Or it's possibly his, his penis, his because penis. it's it's right there at crotch height. And then there is a, a badly cut out woman with a lampshade on her head, sitting on a couch. And they're in a living room of sorts. And there's a TV in the background, and I think that's a picture of Andrew Jackson framed on the wall, and a I, comic book cover that says romance. 
and then there is a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder sitting on the floor and a Roomba behind him, which is surprising since this was done in 1956. No, it's, it's, you can see the cord. It goes up to a vacuum cleaner being held by a maid who is obviously a person of color. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a Roomba, like I just said. Yeah, okay, it's a Roomba. A 1956 Roomba. Well, what do you think of a lampshade? Um, I can't make out it. I'm looking it's at a, the one that you've got in the, let me yeah. try and find a bigger version of it. It's actually, it's a car logo. Is it? Oh, okay. Yep. And then the ceiling is a picture of the moon. And there's like, say, the ceiling looks like it's the moon. And then immediately outside there, uh, windows appears to be the front of a movie theater. Yep. So, and, uh, where in this, um, you know, today's home, where in today's home does the advertising begin and end? Um, well, I'm going to say it probably begins with the giant sucker because that's, uh, you know, right there in the center and he's got it like it's, it's being used, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 completed his virility. Oh, it's a Tootsie Pop. That's what it is. Now yeah, that I can see it on this bigger image of it. Um, and this is an extremely famous piece of pop art. It's like in pretty much every art textbook that covers this period. Um, and see, for me, oh, and I, there's a canned ham sitting on the table in front of the woman. Oh yes, she's going to prepare dinner later. It's a lovely canned ham from this brand. Yeah, no, the, the amazing part of it is the, it, everything's advertising, the people, everything. This yeah, is, it's, he's, he's made a collage that really does capture that, like, the American lifestyle or the modern British lifestyle is just one giant ad. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm just trying to see. Okay, so the, the comic book in the back is... Young romance, true love stories. And it's funny, that's Big where, 52 pages. Those are where Lichtenstein got a lot of his, uh, like, blonde paintings from. Like, you know, his little cartoony paintings, like the one we skipped that is a uh, drowning girl. Oh, we're going to come back to that. Just we'll, not. Yeah. We'll, we'll get, he's the next podcast, everybody. I spoiled it. Spoiled it. Ooh. Ooh. See, I don't, I don't think you need to be the, the guy on this podcast because I'm kind of an idiot, too. <laughs> Sometimes the fact um, that somebody gave me a master's degree is horrifying. Yeah, the, uh, the only thing that doesn't actually have advertising like on it or from advertising, I think, is the moon. Yeah, but that's the future, man. Like That's where we're going. Oh, yeah, if they could, like, figure out how to shoot lasers at the moon to put advertisement. Just imagine Coca-Cola figures out how to put, how to turn the moon into the Coke Pepsi logo. It's like, uh, do, you, do you remember the Tick episode where Chairface Chip in Jail is going to, like, carve oh, yeah. his name on the moon? Yeah, it's yeah. like that. Yeah. I forget what he actually ended up spelling. I think it's just a C and an H. It's C H A, and then later on, the tick took explosives up to the moon and blew the C off. But he couldn't finish because then he got picked up by the uh, tick universe equivalent of Galactus. 
So then it just said ha afterwards. Yeah, I think I think that the pop artist would have approved of Ha being on the moon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, we can sell we, we can remember it for you wholesale. Anyways. So yay, collage work. Get your ass to Mars. Age, capitalists, Zen bliss, sex bodies, wealth, fortune, items to make life easier. Oh my goodness. And I love how the only person of color in most of this pop art is in the back vacuuming the damn stairs. Because, you know, a maid is also an item you need for, um, you know, your, your lifestyle brand and the, six, the 50s and 60s. Well, obviously, if you're going to be as sculpted as Charles Atlas there, you don't have time to, like, you're, gonna, you're not going to get the peck definition if you're, like, vacuuming and dusting. You're going to get a go out on the beach and curl iron use the the copper tone spf to to get that rich coppery rich. golden butter turn which you can't tell because he's black and white but um yeah, yeah it's it's implied not 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 orange like the commander in cheeto um yeah i you know there's not a ton to say about pop art. What it does do, once again, to repeat myself, is open the door for people to take more chances. I think if you uh, go back to like our Basquiat, Jeff Koons, and Damian Hurst podcast, you can see how making ordinary things applicable to the art world kind of opens the door for people like that. Like Jeff Koons definitely would not exist with his giant Popeye statue if it wasn't for people like Warhol and, uh, you know, Hamilton. I always like right. to think at some point Jeff Koons, like Warhol had a pit that he set a bunch of young, you know, potential artists in and he made them like jello wrestle to see who got to be the next big pop guy and Koons won somehow. Or is it like a Sid 6.7 sort of thing where like all of these aspiring artists went in and uh, Jeff Koons was the only one who came out because he was all the, and he came out riding a giant balloon animal dog because he's Jeff Koons and that's, that's because that's, he's Jeff Koons. That's how he do. He's just working on making those damn things sentient. And then they're going to like bark and take over the world and build him a throne of like, you know, cookies and uh, Play-Doh. Yep. He's now that creepy. It, He's yeah, creepy. He, he really is. He loves children like, too, which makes me just, I don't know. Every time somebody says that, I kind of look at them weird. And when he says that, I really am like, I don't know. I guess that's why you have eight. Like I'm looking at him right now. And if you just Google the Jeff Coons and then go to the images tab, the very first picture of him is a black and white picture where he looks like he is surprised that he is posing for a photograph. No, dude, but then you should then like... immediately next to that is like three of him mugging with his giant inflatable balloon dogs. And it just like, he looks uh no dude like pull up a video where he is talking it gets worse he looks like a bond villain 
Yeah, you know, he probably is a Bond villain. He just hasn't, you know, had his giant volcano fortress explode because he would have the giant volcano fortress with, like, the skull on the front. But Damien Hirst did the skull for him because he's actually Coons' little stooge. It's like, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I just made this laser out of balloon animals. (laughs) You're not... Yeah, you really have to find an audio of him. He is so creepy. Uh, it's not letting me, but that's this okay. The, uh, this is a this, this is a is podcast. The, this <laughs> is we we Google shit with Jim.com. Yay. Yay. All right. I don't I don't really have a whole lot more to say about pop art. Do you feel more like educated and enlightened? I do. Now I have an important question. Did we include op art? with pop art because the only thing that's missing from it is that first p uh you know if believing that makes you a happier person then you're welcome to all right now what if an artist created like his own custom handcrafted artisanal mountain dew can you know like each Mountain Dew can I'm painting, and I'm painting them to look just like Mountain Dew cans. But you know that Andy Warhol did that with uh, Ajax canisters, yeah? Right, but but this is this is an extra level of meta because it's pop art. It's pop pop art. It's pop pop art. Did you just? Ooh, wanna... ooh, what if what if he did it with? Uh, what if I wonder if like anybody has ever done. Uh, Rice Krispies, Snap, Crackle, and Pop Art. You know, I think that Jeff Koons has done a statue of the Rice Krispies guys. He probably has. He looks he looks like Crackle. Now that I'm looking at him, he looks like Crackle. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> he would probably be flattered by that, too. And then start talking to you about, like, you know, Kierkegaard. Which serial is he on? Um, existential crisis in a box. Ah. Uh, so, uh, the, the chocolate frosted flakes. Gotcha. Yeah, the, or uh, chocolate crucifix flakes is probably more accurate. So that you can see Jesus weeping every time you take a bite. Oh, I... You, you only get that with the really good cereals. You gotta, you gotta be like, in. You gotta be snorting the ground up uh, fruity pebbles powder to see Jesus weeping. That's 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 why this this is explicit. It's so that nice people who would like be really offended that we. I just you know, um, well, it has swear, listening. It has swear in the title. What do they expect? I, I had a real debate when I started this, if it should be art, I swear, or I swear it's art. And then my friend was like, no, that means that swearing is art to you. And I'm like, oh, damn it. Damn it. No, there's no comma there. That, I, I swear, full stop, it's art. That's a dec- That's a declarative statement. But I swear it's art is, anyway... Um, so we'll, this is going to, you know, we're going to end up in Jeff Koons's armpit, you know, or no, I'm sorry, arm wrestling jello pit if we don't, um, you know, in this soon. Okay. I, we'll, 
who will be the next king of pop art? It's drum roll, and then Jim emerges covered in jello. You know, He's when like, uh, when Cards Against Humanity bought that one painting, and then we're going to give it to give cut it up with a laser and give a tiny piece of it to everybody who uh, who had bought that Christmas thing that one year. I wanted to videotape me eating my piece of that painting. What painting was it? I don't remember. It was, uh, was it pop art? No, but I'm pretty sure me eating the painting. That was a Picasso. Oh, okay. so I'm, I'm pretty sure a yeah. videotape of me yeah. deliberately eating a piece of a Picasso painting would be because I mean, we're talking about accessibility to the masses, right? And everybody yeah. can eat paintings. You just have to try hard enough. Well, be faster I, than the guards. Well, I, I would caution you if, because I think he used cadmiums and those are extremely carcinogenic. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of in the same lines as, uh, you know, Rauschenberg erasing that um, drawing. Oh, or um, what is it? Uh, the uh, this object must be destroyed. There and then go. the Dadaists did it. You know, one of, like, but he's you. One of the uh, pop artists wrote a book that was uh, called. Uh, I think it's you should steal this book. There's oh yeah, also yeah. How to a... how to draw a bunny. That guy was fascinating. He like he did a performance art piece where he threw hot dogs off of a. Um, helicopter you know to feed the the people at the art opening at least it wasn't turkeys and they he actually committed suicide and they think that his suicide was actually his last piece of performance art did did he also throw himself out of the helicopter was that the no but he like he rented like a really specific hotel room and where he drowned himself, there was like a mile marker that was a really specific number and they all like relate to thingy things he did. He's also one of the early mail art guys, which is where you like make drawings and just mail them to people. I, I, I can tell you that it's real sophisticated. You didn't like add to people's mail art, but this is one of those Da Vinci code things. If we solve the riddle, we find his secret hoard of Nazi gold. Well, I don't know if he was old enough. I Lichtenstein fought in World War II, but like right at the end. Oh, come on. Anybody can have a secret hoard of Nazi gold. That's that's the ultimate reason to suspect anybody. Like, you're being nice to me. You're just after my secret hoard of Nazi gold. Not that I have one. I've said too much. I have to leave now. End the podcast. Yeah, let's. I'm hanging up on you now. I'm starting to, starting to scare me, Jim. This, this has been Art, I Swear. I'm Vanessa Van Alstein. I'm Jim Hansen. You'll you'll have a creative day. Do, and check what do you have like a witty outro thing? Just like a like a, don't steal the paintings. They have cameras. Uh, maybe I should start that. I, I do usually say that Joe Giggs uh, did our intro and outro, and that the Conant Project is responsible for all samples. But you know what? I need to add, and you reminded me of this. Everybody needs to check out our webpage on GumbyCatNetworks.com because we're now part of a podcast network that's full of um, sarcastic asshole wholesomeness. And um, I'm trying to get one that stars a person named Jim. Yes, at least one other podcast that will eventually have me on it. 
possibly more. We also, we're about to start uploading episodes from Popcorn Junkie. We have focus on fantasy romance and um, Phantom of the Podcast. Whoa. That has me in it. Yeah, you did the you did the like talking for the intro, and thank you for that. The Phantom of the podcast. I think I, it's art. I swear. Ooh. Jim had me pay him with uh, like twenty bucks and a Mad Dog twenty. Yeah, I I bought an amiibo because I am I am a sucker. I have all the Those Animal Crossing amiibos. Oh, we should that's <clears> the end. Of, we should we should just stop this conversation before I seem even more immature than I am. Anyway, uh, what was it I said? Don't steal the paintings. They have cameras. Yeah, that's that's a wise advice. Don't touch the art. Unless it's a Felix Gonzalez Torres. All right. Bye. Bye.